Welcome to the NRL.com preview podcast, the Brisbane Broncos we're talking about today. My name is Chris Kennedy and Jamie Soward is with me to talk all things Brisbane. Soward, thanks for joining us. Thanks, CK. I am looking forward to next week. Can't wait already. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very close now. So we're talking Brisbane. Um, obviously not a great year for them last year. Managed to um, drop down to the wooden spoon zone right at the end of the season. They've got a new coach, Kevy Walters, uh, back in town, a Broncos legend. Um, no real, uh, a couple of new faces, but nothing, um, you know, too too high profile. Quite a few in the departures lounge. Uh, David Fafita, uh, Andrew McCulloch, Darius Boyd's retired, Joff and Gowie down to the, uh, the West Tigers, um, Jack Bird to the, the Dragons. So plenty of left. Um, in terms of Brisbane this year, I guess just broad thoughts. What are you uh, What are you expecting from them? Yeah, well, it's, it's always hard because a new coach comes in, and that's why they got a job because they weren't good the year before, right? So, if you are a new coach, Anthony Griffin, uh, Kevin Walters, Todd Payton, you've been hired by that team because they weren't happy with how things were going. I don't see much changing for Brisbane this year. I still think there's a lot of questions, and the competition's actually split into two halves this year. The teams that are competing for a championship are on the rise, have less questions about their culture and roster and all that kind of stuff. A team like the Broncos still has a lot of questions about what it looks like for them when they are out there. Does Anthony Milford control the team? Is it Dearden, who we heard was the successor, and now he's going to be dropped for Brody Croft, who they got in? So I still think that they don't understand what their actual culture is, and it'll it'll take a little bit of time. Um, Jake Turpin, for me, Huge loss last year. I think that, you know, once they let McCulloch go and then, you know, you have Jake Turpin, I think that those two guys, you know, would have been perfect together playing that sort of nine role and sharing that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the Broncos have still got a lot of questions this year. Their outside backs are young and exciting, but, yeah, it's no good being young and exciting if you can't understand how to put a full 80 minutes together. Yeah, I spoke to Jake Turpin at the uh, the Fox League launch a couple of weeks ago, and he, um, I mean, first of all, he was just really excited to be getting back on the field. Like you said, he missed a lot of footy last year. I think he's going to be an important player for them this year. He seemed very certain that the spine for round one was Isaaco at fullback, did and Milford in the halves with himself at hooker. And then we sort of see reports on uh, coming out of, of Brisbane that, like you said, Dearden's going to be dropped and it's going to be Brody Croft. Can that be good for, for team unity and, and team cohesion if you're, you're chopping and changing halfbacks this late in the preseason? Well, not, no, because you've trained all one way all, all preseason and, and you're looking to get those combinations right. And that's what trials are for. You practice for three months, you know, with a guy and then last minute, you know, unless it's something off field, last minute you change it like that. I don't really understand because Brody Croft pre-COVID before the rule changes, I thought was going to be one of the buyers of the year and he started really well. After I don't know what happened at the Broncos at COVID. They just didn't handle it well, and they came out and, and stunk it up. So, um, yeah, I, I just think if you change this late – and, and the Jermaine Asako one's an interesting one because I actually think he's a winger. And yeah. if you're going to be able to play fullback, you have to be able to do three things really, really well. Put people in place, defend, all right, stop more tries than you set up, and, and bring the ball back. And I don't know if he's got those three – uh, things in his arsenal at the moment all together at the same time. He may have him for bits of, of a game here and there, but that's why they went back to Darius last year. If he was your number one last year and your best number one, 
um, then you, you're playing through. That's why, you know, the other players in the competition that have changed position, I don't understand why they weren't given a go last year uh, if they weren't going to make the eight. So if he couldn't hold down the spot last year with Darius there, then I don't know why he'd get first crack this year, especially with Tessie New. I thought he looked okay. Yeah. Uh, he looks like he's going to play in the centers. But again, it's going to surround that spine. What does that spine look like? Who's in control of that? Who understands the game a lot more? And you'd, you're hoping for Brisbane fans that it's Milford. Well, yeah, you're right, Isako. I think probably pretty good on the, um, you know, the hit-ups, the, the kick returns. He's a good finisher. But <clears throat> when when they moved Darius back there last year, he was very quickly racking up the try assists, which is probably one of the areas where um, where Isako needs to brush up. You know, you really need to be able to cash in on those those three on twos and, and just make sure that you're getting those decisions right. Um, plus all the, the stuff off the ball that goes into organising the defence, which is a, a big body of work for a, a fullback. But um, Tessie New looks like he's got a bit more of that ball playing in him. He does. And it was funny with Darius because um, having played with him and seen him do it, I was like, <laughs> why was he ever playing left centre? But uh, Tessie New looks a little bit more lively. I think he's a little bit more dangerous, a ball runner. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they get him the ball out in the centre as well. So a lot of these teams, I think, will change in the first month. Um, you know, you, you go the whole preseason and some coaches will pull the trigger a little bit earlier. But um, I, I think the Broncos may struggle again this year, CK. What about the pack? They um, ha- haven't got a lot of mileage out of uh, Matt Lodge the last couple of years uh, due to injury. Offa Hingawi, like I said, has left. Fafita uh, has left. There's still some good guys there. Obviously, um, you know, Pangai and um, Jordan Ricky coming through looks like a, a prospect. He looks good. Um, you know, Flegler looks good. Carrigan was, was pretty reliable last year. So they got some good forwards there. But um, what do you make of it? Well, the thing with Lodge and, and Pangai Jr., like he played 13 last year and I'd rather have just seen him up front. Yeah, you know, Flegler and, and Carrigan and these guys. I mean, Carrigan's, I think he was only 20 or 21. He looked like he was 30 last year. He did that much tackling and running and that's no disrespect to him. That's just how it was. It's so fast. So um, I don't think you can have Pangai on an edge, to be honest. I think that it, while he's hard to tackle, it's certainly – defensively um, a nice little juicy spot where you can get at him and, and make him make some decisions and potentially have some joy. So um, yeah, they'd be looking those forwards, especially, you know, Matt Lodge, you know, if they can stay healthy, they'd be looking to try and make a dent. But if you put their pack and, and list the 16 packs, it's not, it's not going to give you too much trouble for 80 minutes. It, it may, you know, Flegler and Carrigan are going to be there. They're going to, they, they've got motors, but there's no real like threat of offload or anything like that that you're going to have to really um, stress upon. So uh, I, I think that they'll bounce back and have a good season, but I can't see it worrying some of the bigger packs. Are you worried a little bit about their discipline? Because, I, for example, one of my jobs uh, last year on NRL.com was to write the little team blurbs on every Tuesday when the teams came out and the reasons the players were in and out. And I'd get to Broncos and it'd be like, Pangai comes back from suspension to replace Carrigan, who's out suspended. And the next week, it's this guy comes back from suspension to replace this guy who's out suspended. It was just this constant merry-go-round of players getting suspended. And you come through to 2021 and Payne Haas is out for the first four weeks due to being suspended for an off-field uh indiscretion it just seems like they can't get their discipline right both on and off the field 
and that's what Kevy would be wanting from his side. You know, this year, if you if you finish outside the eight, you need to show some improvement. And some of these young, it's great to have the best. I mean, three years ago when Wayne Bennett was sacked, this was the best young crop of young forwards and young talent that we'd seen coming through since forever, right? Has it delivered up to those hypes? No, that's yeah, that's on and off field. It doesn't to, to be an NRL player isn't what you do on a Sunday anymore. Yeah, you know, the, the culture's changed. It's what you do during the week uh, to prepare yourself for that game, and that means you know discipline off field and not putting yourself in those situations. So that's not coming from a person that's been perfect. That's coming from a person that's lived in a different time of of NRL life, and they haven't been able to do that. The Broncos. So Kevy would be disappointed with Payne Haas because if you started with Payne Haas and uh, Tavita Pengo Jr. up front and you had Carrigan in at lock and Flegler and Lodge could come off the bench and, and sort of keep the momentum or change the momentum of the game, then that starts to look a little bit menacing. But at the moment, uh, like you said, CK, it's a revolving door of who's going to play each week and who's going to be suspended or not else. And a lot of those suspensions on on uh, Tavita and Carrigan were like you know, hits in the back or yeah. they weren't even yeah. like – no, not good ones, but you know what I mean? Like it wasn't yeah. – Billy Slater screaming across shoulder charts to save a try in a prelim semi-final to potentially play in the grand final. It was like ball player goes to the half, plays out the back, bang, gets wrestled late, and it's a penalty, so he's suspended for that. Like, it's not even worth the suspension yeah, if you're not. Yeah, just avoidable and unnecessary kind of yeah. letting your team down. Um, well, we haven't really talked about Kevy uh, too much. Obviously, um, you know, whatever Siebes was doing, didn't work for them last year. Um, Kevy, I'm not saying he's necessarily the same type of coach as Wayne Bennett, but he might be a bit more of that um, just let the boys play kind of approach and, and give, give the guys a, a cuddle and, and let them go. Do you think that might potentially suit them more than what Siebes was trying to achieve for them last year? Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Kevy was the catalyst for that 2015 attack with Wayne that when they made the grand final and unlocking uh, Anthony Milford uh, and he's attacking prowess. So that'll be key uh, whether they get that balance right. But I, I think Kevy's had really, really good players in origin um, and been able to prepare those guys. So that'll be, that'll hold him in good stead. The fact is that it's on every week. Like if they start 0-4, uh, it could be a long season for the Brisbane Broncos. And it was hard to see last year as such a powerhouse club in the NRL struggling so much and so much media and stuff like that. And, you know, we're only doing our jobs and reporting on it, but it was, it was like a train wreck each week. We couldn't believe coming in the office every Monday that this was the Brisbane Broncos. Now this was the new norm, you know, post COVID. I mean, they, I think, you know, we spoke about it the other day on uh, inside the NRL from 49th minute to 58th minute. They had the worst defensive rating, not only in the NRL, but in the history of the NRL. Yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's, diabolical kind of stuff yeah. you know you don't come back from that and then their first big trial they change some players of, of course but it happens again in that three three tries in nine minutes like there's yeah. an issue there after half time yeah and probably the last guy we haven't talked about heaps is anthony milford obviously a, a huge drop in form for him in 2020 compared to for example 2015 i know that was a while ago now but i mean he's still got you would think plenty of footy ahead of him if he if he stays fit and has his his head on straight. Can we see something like the the good Anthony Milford this year? Well, it, unfortunately, I think it comes down to whoever's playing seven. If Dean or Croft's in control at seven and Turpin's giving him the ball when he needs it, and not just because it's Anthony Milford standing there. I think a lot of the times 
over the last couple of years, the Broncos have diverted to just throwing Milford the ball and hoping he comes up with a play versus actually what's that play look like? Why are we doing this? And then that's where the, the great players get it, right? So Cameron Smith doesn't just pass Cameron Munster the ball just because it's Cameron Munster or he needs the ball. He, he passes him when he needs the ball and, and sometimes when he wants the ball. But I, I felt like it was just, all right, Milf, try and do something. Can't do it. Oh, well, yeah, throw our hands up in the air. We tried, you know, and then his kicking game last year, I felt was unimaginative and, and not really thought out and, he's not the only one in that category. I think that he just got to the last and went, Oh, it's the last tackle. I better just put a kick up. And and that's where, you know, you would expect young halves to come up with those plays, not a guy that's played at the highest level and played origin. So um, I hope he can get back. I think he's really excited, uh, really exciting to watch play, but it'll depend on who's controlling and when he gets the ball and how he gets it and what position he gets it in. All right. Finish us off with a prediction. Where do you see the Broncos landing this year? Uh I'll be in the bottom three. Yeah, that's uh, not going to be specific. <laughs> Could be flirting with uh, with sixteenth again if they can't find some major improvement. I think so. I think yeah. so. All right, uh, that's all we've got time for today, Sowie. Thank you for your insights. Thanks, mate.